Welcome back to Feed the Post. I'm your host, Joe Jackson, and today we are back for episode number five of our Big Ten team preview. Going to be talking some Northwestern Wildcats with Alex Cervantes. Alex, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Just excited to talk some hoops in a post-NCAA tournament world for the Wildcats. I don't think I would have expected to say that a year ago. So, Yeah, exactly. And we can get, we can get right into it there. We're just... You know, Northwestern goes 22 and 12 last year, 12 and 8 in the Big Ten, gets a first, you know, wins their first round game in the NCAA tournament, was competitive in the second round game, too. Mm-hmm. Um, what were just kind of your overall thoughts on the season before we start previewing this upcoming one? Um, it was a it was a wild ride, I think. I, I mean, like the first word that came to mind when when we like initially talked um was magical. Like it, it a little cliche, but like it for a team pegged to finish 13th in the conference in like a preseason poll, I put them 12th and I thought I was like being opti- like, I thought I was being optimistic at 12. Yeah. Um, you lose so much was made of like losing that front court and Pete Nance and Ryan Young. Um, Matt Nicholson had never stepped into minutes. Like you weren't sure, you weren't sure if like Boo and Chase were going to make that leap. And so it, it, it was just, it, it was just a whirlwind. Like they obviously second appearance in the NCAA tournament, second win, the Purdue, the Purdue upset first win over Illinois in four years, which I think is going to fall a little under the radar for like fans of the program, given everything that happened. But that was, that was probably the momentum shifter. And then, you know, just the defensive Renaissance brought by Chris Lowry. It was just, it was just, it, it was so captivating just to watch. Yeah, it seemed it seemed like a good time to be a fan of the Wildcats, and I'm kind of with you. Like, I just I don't know what else you could have really asked for from the team realistically last year. Um, you know, a couple signature wins, like you mentioned, a win in March, the duo of Bowie and Adige both getting Big Ten, uh, you know, uh, accolades and what are in their respective categories, and just was a great year overall for them. Uh, obviously, you know, nobody was expecting it. I don't I don't even think anybody was going back and pretending to claim that they knew Northwestern was going to do what they did. Um, just, yeah, just a fun time, a fun ride. So I think when we talk about Northwestern and specifically this upcoming season, you got to start with Boo Booey, um, average 17.3 points, 4.5 assists, made first team all big 10 last year. What can you say, not only for what he brings on the court, but just for the program in general, kind of what he means. And then also, do you think he's going to have even more of the load on his shoulders next year? Um, I guess for the first part, he's, he's, he's the cornerstone of the program. And then especially this year, they're really going to go as he goes. Um, you don't really, um, Audis struggled with it. Audis had his battles with efficiency, but he was a good safety net. If boo was having an off night. Um, Cause you would just give the touches to chase and kind of let him go and you would deal with the missed shots. But um, Boo's the cornerstone. I would argue he's the face of Northwestern athletics right now, just in general, everything going on with the football program and then other investigations. Um, so he's the face. He, I mean, he's the starting point guard. You, you figure he's going to be preseason first team, all big 10. Um, and yeah, he, 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 he does just mean so much. He, he's the biggest success story because Chris Collins gave him the keys right when he got here as a freshman, you're in a post uh, Bryant McIntosh world. You didn't really know where the direction was going for the program. Um, no one was really that guy. They needed a dog. They didn't really have one. Um, and he took his lumps. That whole freshman class took his lumps, him, Robbie Barron, like they, they endured so much together. And so I guess just, it, it meant a lot just seeing that like 
you know, a team that finished in the basement of the Big Ten for three, four years was able to kind of, with the same guys, be able to make that run was just special. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, obviously, as the on the outside looking in, like, Boo Booey is Northwestern. He's he's the dude you think of when you think of Northwestern, specifically basketball. Um, yeah, and he's just, he's just so much fun to watch. He's so electric. Uh, I remember, I think it was... It had to be two years ago, the after COVID, because I'm a Purdue, I'm a Purdue fan, went to Purdue, and so there's, I think it was two years ago, Northwestern plays at Purdue, and just Purdue was kind of in cruise control out of nowhere. Bowie hits three straight threes in the second half just to make it a game, and he just has that type of thing in him, like just the the ability to go make plays. He doesn't have the best efficiency, but he's also tasked with so much that mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you you take some of the turnovers and some of the bad shots because he has to do stuff like that at times, just like you said. Um, in terms of next year, I think he's going to, you know, he's going to have even more of a load. He's probably going to have to be close to 35 minutes a game again. Um, yeah. you know, you're hoping that some guys take some jumps and can help him out a bit, but I mean, you, you said it earlier, like Bowie's going to be the engine and, and Northwestern is going to go where Bowie goes. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he, I think realistically, I mean, I, I think the shot attempts probably stay this roughly the same. It'll be a little more. But um, he's probably got to be around 20 points a game if this team wants to reach its ceiling or, like, try and attempt to replicate what they did last year if they're going to try and obviously make back-to-back tournaments. Um, but, yeah, he's got he's to be a 20-5 and five guy, I think. And I, I think there's going to be added defensive pressure, which I think we'll get into later with Audige gone. So I think yeah. that's, that, that's, a, that's one thing that concerns me. Like, I, don't, I don't know who steps up in that backcourt, I guess. Yeah, we can we can hit on the defense next because that is you know when you think past Boo Booey, when you think of last year, you, you're thinking of Northwestern's defense, number 22 and mm-hmm. Ken Palm. Just a really, um, as I watched some film back, just a really fun team defensively. Yeah. What did you see that kind of stood out to you last year that allowed them to? I think you said have this renaissance on defense. Yeah, they they had it's something Chris Collins said kind of postseason, but it, it was the first time in a while it felt like a team, a Northwestern team had an identity. Like they were, they were kind of unified on the same, they were all on the same page. Um, and it was just fun watching them defend because um, obviously Chris Lowry brought the post trap. And so you would see kind of Robbie Barron and Brooks Barnheiser just like blitz the big man in the post. We saw it with Zach Eady, like Trace Jackson Davis. It wasn't that effective against Trace Jackson Davis, but um, blitzed every big man in the low post. Matt Nicholson is a top five rim protector in the big 10. I would expect him to, Maybe, yeah. So he, I would expect that to remain the same this year. Um, but yeah, it, it started with Adige and like he had that buy-in. But I remember Ty Berry talking about this team's defensive mentality during the season, and it was just kind of like we're going to trust the coaches, and they always tell us they're going to put us into the spots where the other team is just going to throw us the ball, and that that really felt how that defense kind of operated because they would they would double the post. And so the team would, the opposing team would just kind of kick it back out and you would swing it across the perimeter and you would just see every guard rotate and you, you would see like boo flying across. I think, I, I think you posted a video on Twitter about how, how impressive Northwestern switchability is. So it, it was the switchability. It was the post traps. And I just think generally it was like the commitment. You didn't see when, you know, they would, they would waver at times in previous seasons if they got hit by like a 10 run and you, you saw a level of resilience that I don't think other teams had. Yeah. I, the off ball switching on defense just is what stood out. Like it was unreal. 
Um, and it allowed, it allowed guys to be aggressive. Not only, you know, obviously you mentioned all the post traps and I'll touch on that in a sec, but even like I, the one clip I remember posting was Audiz was just playing super in, hard in the passing lane. He gets beat back door, but it, it just doesn't matter because rotation, somebody switches over and it's no big deal. Um, you know, allow them, I, they had the 35th highest defensive turnover percentage. So they forced a ton of turnovers. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was Audiz, um, at least individually, but as a team, you know, they empowered Audiz and empowered everybody just to be, um, so aggressive on that end. And like you, you mentioned the doubling the post, I believe they doubled more than every team in the entire country, um, in terms of like percentage of post-up space. Mm-hmm. So, which makes, you know, when you watch, it makes sense. Yeah. Just, and it's not like they were like a crazy long team by any mm-hmm. means. Like a lot of, t- you know, you think of like Rutgers as a really good defensive team, but they have six, six everywhere, six, six, six plus Northwestern didn't really have that. They just had really good principles and they stuck to them all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. It, it was that buy-in that kind of really took them over the edge. Yeah. And now we did, you know, we both mentioned Adish. He was huge for Northwestern last year, uh, mm-hmm. co-defensive player of the year with Caleb McConnell, I believe. Obviously, he's gone to the draft. Um, do you think that Northwestern will be able to somewhat replicate what they did last year without him? And if not, do you think it's like a big jump back, would you expect, or just like, a little bit because you are losing such an insane defender in Adige. I, I expect a regression. Like not only do you lose your best perimeter defender and the Big Ten Co Defensive Player of the Year, but you also lose like a top def, top four defender nationally, at least in terms of like Naismith DPOI voting. And so, yeah. like that, that'll be tough to replicate. I'd expect them. They're still going to double in the post. Chris Lowry is still on the still on the bench. So I, I would imagine like. Tactically, a lot of the stuff remains the same, like the principles you mentioned. Um, I, get, I guess my hope is, and I know we'll t- touch on transfers later, but like briefly, I would hope that they allow Justin Mullins to kind of play that kind of just like freelance, like freelance, like he can just, he has free reign to run all over the place and just kind of scramble and jump into passing lanes because I think they're going to need that with Odish gone. Um and I, I guess my, my biggest concern with the regression is that there are multiple starting spots open, open, but I, I just don't know whether like if they, if they roll with like Bowie, Barry and Langborg as like a starting backcourt trio, that's super undersized. I don't know. Like, I don't know who your best perimeter defender is in that case. Cause you don't want Bowie to like get in foul trouble. I don't think Langborg has the foot speed is Barry. Now your primary Defender, like it just, there's a lot of question marks there. So um, I, I think Northwestern's due for aggression. I just can't really, I, I don't expect like a steep decline, but I, I would say a regression is almost inevitable. Yeah. And I don't think that's like a, a knock on Northwestern at all. You lose a, you know, like you said, top five defender in the country. Like that, that should happen. That is, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I agree. I, I think it'll be a definitely a decrease in efficiency, but you know, they'll still be one of the better defenses in the Big Ten. Um, you know, the big concern, I guess, is that teams figure out how to beat the post trap. Um, but even then, there's only, you know, you can practice against it all you want, but there's only so much you can do, like, to prepare for a live trap. Because mm-hmm. it's so different every time, too, and where they're coming from, things like that. Um, I, I have similar concerns with the backcourt, specifically uh, if Langborg does start at the three with Barry at the two. I'm... On the outside, from purely defense, I'm hoping Mullins starts. Um, but 
just because I, I think he can be that good. And we'll talk about him in a bit. It just, yeah, it's it's a huge loss with Adish. And I think there was some good pickups in the portal by Northwestern. I don't think it's going to be enough. One guy that they're going to need to rely on more and somebody who um, had a good, you know, solid sophomore season in general, but I think really came on at the end too in, in Brooks Barnheiser. Um, what kind of jump do you see him taking and what kind of jump do you think North, what Northwestern will need from him? Um, well, I, I, like most people, it feels like everyone – and their mother is forecasting this just incredible junior year leap from um, Brooks. I, 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 I was high on him just being around this team, covering this team for a calendar year, like just in terms of the way the coaching staff talked about him, the way his teammates talked about him. Um, I think I, I, I did some digging just on some stats, but he scored in double figures in eight of the final 11 games of the season, shot 41.6% from three in that stretch. Um, and then before the UCLA game where I think he shot like one of nine had finished the game with like four points, he scored in double digits, at least like 10 or 11 points in seven straight games. So I think that kind of, he sold, he, he, cause he is that small ball four for them that he, um, they're going to put the ball in his hands more. Like they, they're going to need a guy that is going to be around like a 13, six and three kind of guy for them. Um, I think that's what he's got to be if this team is going to be successful. He His shooting really kind of came along as the season progressed. He hit like, I want to say like 15 or 16 of like 38, 39, 43s to close the season in February and March. So um, I remember Brian McIntosh, tell, I was interviewing Brian McIntosh during like practice and he was just telling me that Brooks was, a. this was like mid-January and Brooks was shooting like probably 22% from three. And he was just like, yeah, Brooks is a lot better, is a much better shooter than like what the numbers say. And I, like, I almost laughed. Like, I was like, are we sure? Like we, we have like a three month sample size plus like his freshman year. Like I, I I didn't really see it. And so, um, but yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna, I think teams are going to respect him more, especially with Odish gone, but he, he was brought in to, I don't know how many people know this, but Collins and like, their mold for him was kind of like a bigger Brian McIntosh. They wanted him to play point guard, but given obviously Bowie is there, yeah. you're going to, I think, I think they can survive stretches where the ball is in his hands when Bowie's maybe off the floor. Um, but yeah, he's going to kind of be that like secondary playmaker. He's going to get the ball. I think he's got, I think he's probably going to add just in terms of his game. Um, he can, he can back people down in the post, whether he's being guarded by a guard or a wing. Um, He's got that kind of like face-up game, and then he can knock down shots from the perimeter. So we'll, we'll see what happens. He everyone's forecasting the sleep, and I don't know if that's like too much pressure, but um, he's 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 the number two guy now. So he was kind of the number two guy to close the season, but like he, he's really it now. So yeah, and that yeah. I mean that answer that answers one of my questions with him is like, is he just gonna have to be the sidekick for Bowie? Um, and yeah, I, th- I think. You know, it's reasonable that to project him to take that type of jump. He's a smart player. I think he moves well, can play the like this small ball four, like you mentioned, um, that Northwestern just kind of seems to to use at times. I think, yeah, I think just a little more consistency, but also you can ask that from pretty much anybody in the Big Ten. Um, you mentioned the four, and that's you know primarily where he's going to play, especially that's, I think, the four is arguably the biggest question depth-wise for Northwestern heading oh, into the year. Which question? Yeah. Um, do you see him at all like playing the three? Do you think there's any lineups? I know that probably means what hunger or Barkley needs to pop a bit for that to happen. I think it's fluid, honestly. Like I, I, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if I obviously early in the season, but like a, a lineup of Bowie Mullins or Barry, and then like Martinelli Barnheiser and hunger. We're like, those three wings are all just kind of rotating around, especially within that defense. And like, they're, they're not playing like a specific four. And so then like the opposing team has to like, well, what, like which guy are we putting on who? So I, I think, he can pull, I think he'll for sure play the three. There's going to be stretches where I think Hunger and Nicholson are on the floor together. So um, Barnheiser is the only other guy on this roster to me that I think has to go 30-plus minutes. So I, I think Collins just really is, is going to try his best to like not have to take Bowie and Barnheiser off the floor. Yeah, and you know, depending on rotations, I wouldn't be shocked. I would assume at least one of them's on the floor at all times for Northwestern, oh, barring like foul trouble, stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah and, and you bring up a good point that like – you know, whether he's the three or the four specifically in the Northwest or especially in the Northwestern system, like it doesn't actually matter. They're going to be switching so much. And if you, you know, if you have two to three wings out there that can all guard two through four pretty comfortably in the system, then it doesn't actually matter um, what he's like labeled as. So before we get onto the transfers and newcomers, and I, I didn't, you know, let you know about, we were going to mention him before, but I thought we should is Ty Berry. Um, he kind of, I feel like at times just kind of got lost in the mix, at least headlines, just because Bowie mm-hmm. and Audis were so good. What we don't have to go super in depth, but kind of what do you think of his season last year? Do you think, and then for like this year, do you think he's the starting two or three? Um, and like, what you know, do they do that? Are they going to need a lot more from him? You think they're going to need a lot more from him for sure. Um, he it, it was a weird season for him. I, I think that, that there was. I'll try to get through this quickly, but there, there was like, the team was pretty in unison that like chase and boo are going to take like 35 shots a game or whatever, like 30 to 35 shots a game. So there's your bulk of your shots. So then like when Barry really fell out of a rhythm and he had like, especially like to close the season, um, I forget what his shooting percentage was, but it wasn't good. Like mechanically it looked off like his, his release, like it, it looked a little, different and then um the shot the arc was just a lot flatter you could tell um so i they're gonna need a lot more from i i think just efficiency wise i don't know if he needs to like score more but like if he's like i think a eight to ten points per game score they're fine um yeah. but yeah i uh, i i really don't know because i don't know the only three set starters to me are Bowie, barnheiser and nicholson and so i think anyone can slot into that two and then wing spot um, yeah, I think it's just whether like Mullins is physically ready for the big 10 or I, I, I would think Barry is starting. Like if you asked me to make a starting five right now, I think Barry starts, but yeah. yeah. And you know, that kind of leads into the transfers because two of two of the transfers will be also in the mix for that starting mm-hmm. kind of small wing spot. Um, you know, Ryan Langberg, Justin Mullins, and then also Blake Preston. Uh, what kind of impact do you think they'll need to have? Uh, we kind of, and we, we kind of already mentioned it already with the guard specifically, and then Preston's kind of this backup big, but I guess, yeah. What kind of impact do you think they need and, and who are you most excited for out of the three? Um, I think Mullins has to have the biggest, like, like we touched on Mullins has, Mullins has to have, he's almost the X factor defensively. Like he really kind of has to get there. Um, offensively, like it's on a limited sample size. He shot 36% from three in the summit league. That's encouraging. Um, so if the stroke is there, that's good. They're going to need floor spacers, um, especially if, like, if Ty falls out of a rhythm and obviously, like, 
Matt Nicholson doesn't command any respect that's at eight feet. So um, Langborg, like, especially like right after his commitment, I almost felt like he had to be that kind of like secondary ball handler and score. Like if he's starting, um, I've kind of waved off that now he can play, he can play off ball obviously. So like that, that's huge. And I wonder, he wanted to, to me, take the same like volume of shots that he did for that Princeton team. So I wonder if he can kind of get back to that 2021, 22 junior season form where he shot 40% from three. Um, and that was on like five attempts a game. So him just kind of being that, that off ball guy that like teams can't really leave. And if they're running them off a ton of screens um, that they're just getting the ball. Um, honestly though, I might, I might be most excited for, Preston, because I really think he offers them a ton of stability, like as that backup five. Titus Fairhoven, really nice guy, loved covering him, Got it, had, had such a propensity to get into foul trouble that like Matt Nicholson almost had to stay on the floor at times. Preston is was one of the best offensive rebounders in the ASUN. I think he had like a 15.2% like offensive rebounding percentage. Um, he comes from that Richie McKay defense. So I don't think like the transition like will be that hard into another good to maybe elite defense. Um, and I just, you can't knock the experience of like a fifth year guy at this point. Um, he'll play, he, he doesn't need to like overwork himself. He can go 12, 15 minutes a game. And then if, if hunger factors in, then maybe it's even less, but he can give, he's really going to provide, I'm, I'm excited. And I think he's going to provide kind of valuable minutes in that exact same Titus Fairhoven role. And, I think he's a little bit better at basically everything in that regard. So um, I'm just, I'm excited for a little bit of front court stability, I think. Yeah. And that's fair. And I think when I looked at the transfers and when I watched film on them, like it was I, in my mind, it was Chris Collins was like, okay, Tyus Verhoeven's gone. Let's go get somebody that can do what he did a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And it was Chase Odish is gone. Let's go get somebody that I don't think bullets will be as good as him right away, but like somebody that can, fill that mold defensively mm-hmm. and potentially be the swing. And it's just, just like, okay, just rebuilding the team from last year. And, and I like it. Um, you mentioned early in that, that you think Mullins might be the X factor defensively. That was literally my first bullet point about him is like, <laughs> I think he just might be the X factor for this team is if he can, I, I don't think it's fair to put Adige expectations on him, but if he can get to, you know, a top 10 perimeter defender, top, whatever, top five, top 10 perimeter defender in the big 10, that's going to be huge for them because now he can be a little bit bigger wing. Um, you're hoping the shooting stays. He can, he's a dude that can just loves to get on transition, uh, get to the rim a lot. So I think that's going to be big. Preston's like, you know, a perfect backup big in the Big Ten. He's, you know, I, I like his mobility, um, kind of covering. He showed up multiple coverages and pick and roll, which I think will be important. Can be a good rim protector, and then, you know, similar to Nicholson, is kind of just will hang out near the rim. And then Langberg will be interesting because I don't quite, that's the one I don't quite know how he fits yet. I don't know if mm-hmm. he's going to be, you know, more off ball. If Does he take some backup point guard minutes? I don't, I'm not entirely sure on that. Um, but he's, it's a good ad. He's a dude that, you know, he struggled a little bit shooting last year, 33%. But like you said, it was in the forties has proven that he can score the ball. Um, you're hoping the defense is solid and, and, you know, he's just, you, you would, he's a guy you'd rather have than not have obviously. So, and he could, he could be a big contributor too. Uh, there's three freshmen coming in, Blake Barkley, Parker Strauss, and Jordan Clayton. Do you see any of them really cracking the rotation this year? And then uh, who are you most excited for out of the three long-term? Um, 
I, I guess I want to lead with this knock on wood, but like I, I would hope that Northwestern doesn't have to run another like thin seven man, eight man rotation like they did kind of at parts last year. Yeah. Um, I don't with the nine guys that they currently have, I don't see how the freshmen really carve out any minutes. Um, yeah. It'll be it'll be a good year for them to just kind of adjust to like Big Ten size and like Big Ten play. And I'm sure they'll be thrown a little into the fire into the non-conference slate. But um I, I, I really don't know how any of them really like carve out minutes this early. I heard when July workouts were going on, I heard good things about Strauss. So maybe of the three, it's him. Um, I would think Barkley probably is the most like wing forward frame to like work immediately. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if like, I, I'm almost like so locked. I, I've almost been so locked into um, just what Bowie can do in his final year and like the leap Barnheiser hopefully it takes that out. I haven't really given much thought to like what this trio like forecasts to be in a year or two. And so um, I think Clayton, I, I think he just needs to develop. I don't see him like taking any of those backup PG reps. I almost, I almost think that when Boo's off the floor, they just make Barnheiser the one and maybe Langborg plays some point too, but Barnheiser really started to like get some reps last year at point. So I, I think that's what they'd be inclined to do. Um, so I, I, I just – I think it's unfortunate because, like, I don't want to sit here and say, like, none of them will play. But, like, I just yeah. – yeah, there's only so many minutes. There's five spots on the floor, you know. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I don't think really any of them uh, crack the rotation. Quick aside, if, if we get Barnheiser minutes, I am – minutes at point guard, I mean, I am here for it. I am, I'm a sucker for uh, bigger wings that can kind of run point and facilitate. I'm hoping Ty Rogers works at Illinois. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think out of the three freshmen, Barkley's probably the one that has the best chance. I think, you know, you mentioned most probably Big Ten ready body. And he, you know, we mentioned the um, backup four is kind of just a big question mark. He could maybe be that for, a, a you know, five, eight minutes a game. You're hoping the shooting comes, which is what he did pretty well from what I saw in high school. So, uh, and then it'll be interesting because I th- I think, Str- I honestly think Strauss and Clayton are both point guards. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe sh- Clayton can kind of, de- I don't, I don't know who I would rather have develop into more of an off ball. Um, they bring both interesting things though. And they're both, you know, I think I really, I'm really high on both of their passing. I think they're just, you're not going to play over boo booey and no. I, I don't see them getting much minutes this year. So uh, last big question before we kind of hit a couple small ones to wrap it up is, you know, Northwestern um, wasn't the best shooting team last year. <laughs> um, we we kind of mentioned on the the inefficiencies here. I have it. I have it pulled up. The thirty two point one percent, two hundred eighty second best in the yeah. country. Um, do you see that taking a jump at all, or do you kind of see it being another just Northwestern is going to grind opponents down defensively and they'll figure it out enough on offense shooting was? Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to grind out games defensively like they did last year, like those like 65 to like 61 games that they like really close the season with. Um, so I do think this team profiles better offensively, just like with the pieces they have. Um, I I really don't know about the three-point shooting. Like I, I would like to sit here and say that Brooks Barnizer's 40% shooting to like close the last two months of the season will stay, but I don't know. Like with more production, does that mean a drop in efficiency? Probably does. Um, Boo's efficiency won't be great given the amount of shots he'll have to take. Um, I, I, I think 
if this team is going to improve, it's going to like from distance, it's just going to come on whether Barry is able to kind of eclipse like 36%. If Langboard can be around the same mark, if Mullins can stay in that 34 to 36 range, like it's really so dependent on guys not named Bowie and Barnheiser to like really up their statistics, just given how many shots they're going to take. So I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not, I think they could be a decent perimeter shooting team. I'm just like not hundred percent there yet. I think. Yeah, you you had on all my points. I think it's the big two is probably Barry and Lingborg. You're going to get what you get from Bowie and Barnheiser, and you, you live with it. Um, you got it. Yeah, you hope and Lingborg and Barry kind of both kind of bump their numbers, and Lingborg gets to a high, you know, mid to high 30s. Barry's respectable again. Um, so, you know, we kind of getting to wrap this thing up. Um, one really quick question, and then we'll have our final just hypothetical. So, real quick, player you are most excited to watch next year. Um, and, and I know there's probably an obvious answer, but who are you most excited to watch? The cop-out's Barnheiser, but I will give you Hunger as my answer. Ooh. Okay. I am excited to see. He played in 10 games last season. I'm excited to see how we return from a season-ending foot injury. Um, I really think he can step into that four role that's kind of like like we've talked about is a major question mark. Um, he had some... He, he had some ability to kind of like pick and pop when he was in high school. And so I, I, I would hope that translates. And um, I know in conversations with him last year, he was learning a lot from like Robbie Barron. And so if he, if he fits into that same kind of mold, I think he's a little heavier. So, but I, I'm excited to see how he returns from the injury just because I think that can be like a little thing that like unlocks them, especially in that front court. That's I was I was not expecting you to say him, but I like it. Uh, mine would be I'm I'm excited to see Justin Molds and just see how he fits into this defensive scheme. So, less hypothetical type question, um, and, and it's kind of the same question but two different ways. Is if I were to tell you that Northwestern hits their ceiling for the season, whatever you put that at, uh, what would you say would be some things that happened? And then on the other end, if I was tell you that they hit their floor, what were kind of some things that happened along the way? Um. I guess I can go floor first. Um, the The Big Ten cannibalizes it, cannibalizes itself so much that I don't think this is their floor. But I almost, I could see another like, if 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 this team really can't replace that kind of secondary score, like Barnheiser doesn't step into it, he just kind of hovers around that like nine to 10 points per game range. And so like it leaves and like Langborg never steps into it and Barry never steps into it. So you have three guys that never stepped into it. Mullins isn't there yet physically. So he can't really like compete with the wings in the conference. Um, defensively, they are undersized. Um, Bowie just, j- just struggles given the amount of attention he's going to garner from teams, the efficiency drops, the offense. I mean, th- there's a lot that could go wrong. Um, and so it, it could be like the, the, the worst case scenario is almost like this, this team almost ends up back where it was for that like three year period. And they're playing on the first day of the big 10 tournament on a Wednesday. So I don't know. Um, I don't want to like be dramatic, but like the floor is probably like 10th. I think they're better. I think they're like unequivocally better than Penn state and Minnesota. So you're not going to finish worse than 12th. And I think, I don't know. It, I, but at, at the same time, I didn't think Ohio State was going to go five and fifteen in the conference. So, like last year, like so, yeah, a, a lot could go wrong. Injuries could always happen. Um, 
but I, I think the makeup of this team is there and the principles are going to remain the same. Ceiling-wise, everything goes right. Looks Brian Heiser turns into like an all-Big Ten third team, like second option for this squad. Barry hits that mark like we talked about. Langborg hits that mark, so you have a ton of weapons on the perimeter. Mullins becomes that defender. I, I think the ceiling's Sweet 16 if, mm-hmm. if all goes well and, and Bowie emerges as like a all-American type season where they like hang his jersey in the rafters before the season's even over. Um, so I think, I think like a, a ceiling would be like a top four finish again in the big 10. And then like, maybe they catch a little heat and some magic and make a sweet 16. Yeah. I think those are, I think that's all pretty fair points. Like, yeah, the ceiling is just going to be, how does this defense and, and fit, and how do some of these offensive pieces fit on the wing specifically? You're hoping for the jump from Barnheiser, and if none of that happens, uh, you're kind of in trouble. You mentioned the kind of lack of depth. If this becomes a six, seven man rotation, kind of, you know, what is happens with there. So, you know, I think those are all really good points and, uh, um, you know, I appreciate you coming on. I'm excited to kind of see what this team does next year. So, uh, let everybody know where they can find you and your work at. Um, so my Twitter handle is, or X handle, I don't know what we want to call it, but it's, at, it's, it's at Cervantes P Alex. And then I'm, uh, writing for the daily Northwestern and then just the general, like nusports.com. So you can find my work there. Um, really appreciate you having me on excited, equally, equally as excited to see what this team will do. I, I don't think, I don't think expectations or excitement around this program have ever been higher. So it should be a should be a fun season on the shores of Lake Michigan. Yeah, for sure, fun time uh, to be fans of Northwestern. So I'll have his link to his Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, down in the bio. Definitely go check it out. It does some good work over there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Jackson CBB, and then you can find Feed the Post on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Our audio versions are there. Please uh, like, give five star review if you enjoyed this. If you are watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Having some fun videos come out. Uh, con- going to continue with these Big Ten team previews all the way up until you know late October when uh, it's time to actually go. So appreciate everybody tuning in, and we will catch you in the next one.